Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 24th of January 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 370. Finally got there. Felt like it took a while to get to this uh, 70 mark. This is take two. Should have been take three. You might have heard a truck go past there in the background. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. Let me just get on with the show. Timestamp for you. 0919 hours starting early today. Got a lot to do today. Got a big writing session to look forward to in the cafe and I'm hoping to be there earlier than usual on a Monday. I've come to dread Mondays. I really have. And that, uh, I think one of the first things I'll do once we get into the spring is to switch to running as late as possible on the day in the park so I can just uh, go to the cafe in the morning and do this show when I get back in the afternoon. And at the moment, the day just feels a bit back to front and there's an awful lot of work to do before I can get out and enjoy my day. Weather-wise, my PC is telling me it's cloudy. It's still cold. I'm back down to, let me just touch my tops. One, two, three, four five, six, seven, down to seven tops, taken the dressing gown, the scarf and the indoor hat, taken them all off. Weekend mood, bit of a, a battle with the mood right now, not just uh, the weekends, just on a, a daily basis, trying to, hard swallow there, trying to keep it level, not get too low, that's the most important thing, but also not get too high and the latter can happen. It's, uh, it is the creativity, the excitement that I, I get from that, I think, maybe makes me feel a bit too too hyper, I think. And then, of course, there's a, a big drop when that too positive bubble bursts and I, I start looking at the rest of my situation again. That's too big a drop for me. So I'm just trying to ensure that I don't get carried away with things, that I retain my focus. And to be fair, I've been fairly focused. I think towards the end of last week, I was struggling a bit with it. I can't remember why now. There was something that had happened that uh, I think was impairing my focus. On the running front, uh, three runs last week, nothing special, just 6K every day. I think one of the runs was particularly difficult because it was so cold. But the other runs, I think Friday was better. I could have maybe gone on for a bit longer, but it's just uh, my route is so boring. I didn't want to run again past the estate and take in that reek of... uh, weed again I've got I don't really you know actually I've got less of a problem with people smoking that stuff than I do with drinkers because I suppose it doesn't really make these people more aggressive whereas there are just so many people out there who cannot drink who shouldn't drink they're not good on drink 
but it's it's just my my problem with weed. It's just the smell. It's a horrendous smell, and it's a smell that just permeates South London. It's so disappointing to have that stereotype reinforced when you walk through an estate, when you walk past an estate, and right away that stench just hits you. I don't like those stereotype boxes being ticked so easily. And I think I said this recently. There was an American podcast. I don't need to mention the name. Uh, There was an American show that I was listening to last year, and they were interviewing a couple of uh, guys who were doing London walks. And they mentioned how when they get to this side of the river, specifically Lambeth, the one thing that immediately struck them was just that smell of weed. You don't really get that north of the river, it seems. It's just such a transpontine thing. Huge hygiene fail on my part with the running because I'm still running in the park because it can get and is very muddy there. So I'm trying to scrape all the mud off before I get into the building. Obviously not possible. So I've started to think, okay, well, at the moment I'm double socked because it's cold and because, you know, running shoes are very thin and don't really give you that warmth. So I'll just take my trainers off. I don't think I'd uh, do this if I wasn't on the medication. It's the medication that's allowing me to to do this. Otherwise, you know, there's no way I would do this. So I've started just as soon as I come in, take the trainers off. They've had as much mud as possible clean from them. And then I just carry them upside down in my hands and walk back to the flat in my socks, then take my socks off. So it's a horrible thing because I'm having to step into the flat right onto the mat, the antechamber mat on my in my socks. And I'm thinking, well, all the years I've been here, how many times might I have stepped in something out on the street? But it's okay because the trainers just come they, they, they just left on this antechamber mat, but here I am in my socks. It's a little too close for comfort. So I, re- I removed those socks the first time. I think I removed them on Wednesday. On Friday, I think, because I was so distracted, I did the same thing, but I didn't remove the socks. So the socks had stepped in on the antechamber mat. And then I just forgot myself. I didn't remove those outer socks. And then I was just walking all through the flat. And I realized on Friday evening that this was a huge hygiene fail on my part. I had walked through the entire building, up all those stairs, the communal hallways, in those socks. Then I'd walked around in the flat. I may as well have rolled around in the dirt outside and just walked right in in my trainers. That's how bad it was. That was, uh, I think, my worst hygiene fail in years It was too late to clean the flat by the time I realised, so I just made a mental note that uh, I would hoover again on Saturday. I normally hoover every couple of weeks. Now I just clean the floors once a week. But this time I would spray some of the vanish that I bought after my sibling left. And so Saturday was a big clean-up operation. But uh, what what was that? I think I'm... Someone told me the other day that I speak too fast. I think that's partly a Spanish thing. We 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 are fast speakers. Where we we, I don't know why, but we're certainly quicker than the English. But I also think there is an example of uh, perhaps being a bit too hyper. I also that's what I was going to say. I also dropped my glass case on the bus on Friday lunchtime and the cloth as well. So the cloth got washed. There was a, a wash that I did on. Friday afternoon, some of my running gear and some clothes. Just chuck the uh, 
the lens wiping cloth in there and uh, the actual glasses case that got blitzed with anti-back spray before getting washed then anti-back wet wipe the same procedure that I use for Star Wars vintage action figures when I buy them let me just check how my levels are looking again I'm not wearing headphones just trying to protect my ears we're seven minutes into the show I can see some little empty spaces I'll have to get rid of when I'm editing it seems a bit uh just knock up my levels on the mixer slightly. How's that looking? Yeah, that's maybe a bit better. Right, on with the show. Tuesday, last Tuesday, that was the 18th of January, I finally tried out the alternative cafe as I try to find something to get me through Tuesday, some place to work. And this was the place near me that I found with my sibling, that I tried with my sibling for the first time over Christmas. Again, the coffee was really impressive. Very cheap, underpriced coffee, if anything. Great for me because I can have an extra one in there and still only pay what I pay in my uh, cafe five days a week. And obviously the bonuses, the lattes come in glasses, as all coffee should. Good handle on the glass as well, on every glass. And I say every glass because they have inconsistent size glasses. There's no specific glass. Some are taller, some are fatter, some are short. So that's a bit curious. But the, the handle on each of those glasses was really impressive. Far easier to hold the glass by the handle, whereas in the cafe, I can't really get my fingers through the handle so I just tend to place the left hand on the tall glass and bring it up to my mouth without using the handle. Dim lighting in there not easy to work from this Tuesday cafe and again for whatever reason stressed forgetful scatty old I didn't have all my work with me it wasn't a lot that I needed to bring and I just forgot the basics there was a a wi-fi connection there that I was able to tap into there's actually um A new Wi-Fi connection now in the cafe, and on Friday, Sipke introduced me to it. I was able to access it on the laptop, not on the phone. It's a 5G connection, so maybe I can't use that with my phone. I I don't really understand this stuff, but I certainly can't find a new connection on my phone. But that's okay. The the connection in the cafe can be a bit erratic, but as long as uh, uh, the, the laptop can access uh, the faster Wi-Fi, that's okay. And if it can't, not a problem. That's not really what I'm in there for. I'm in there to to, to work, to write. And, uh, you know, if I can fire off any emails while I'm in there to spare me spending longer on the PC when I get home in the evenings, that's uh, all well and good. Shabby clientele in the Tuesday cafe. Slightly unfriendly staff. The guy was certainly a bit unfriendly. They're Portuguese. I didn't know whether I needed to order from the counter. This was uh, post-lunchtime I was in there. They open on Tuesdays until 2,200 hours. I didn't know what the etiquette was as well in terms of returning glasses. I didn't know if uh, if I tried to return glasses, whether they might deem me to be uh, what the kid would call a bit of a try-hard. They have a big Perspex screen on the counter, unlike in my cafe, where I think because it's... Uh, very continental style cafe and they've got a long counter I think that would just be a bit too impersonal if they'd erected a perspex screen and of course the uh, cafe owner isn't vaccinated anyway so I don't think he's too bothered about having a perspex screen there was a rough guy who came into the Tuesday cafe around uh, around 15 15 hours wheelchair user hoodie filthy gloves a discolored white Stetson atop the hoodie some of the characters in there I'd, I'd noted were 
as I say, on on, on the wrong side of uh, shabby. I thought, never mind COVID, there's a chance I might catch cholera in here. Stetson went to the loo after a huge English breakfast. He didn't lock the door. The owner was worried because the guy had trouble accessing the loo with his wheelchair. They had to pull out tables for him. They had to help him into the... um, into the cubicle the wheelchair was a slightly making things slightly difficult the owner knocked on the cubicle door there was no reply five minutes later he knocked again for f- sake let me have my f- in peace that told him i thought he then when he did finally emerge from the loo he couldn't get out of there properly So having wrecked the cubicle, there then took place the kind of grim visual that hasn't even played out in the cafe over the last 21 years. One of the owners this time, uh, a woman, had to help him out with a wheelchair and took the full brunt of what he'd left behind. The way she physically recoiled as her olfactory system took the first hit reminds me of the kickback you get when you fire a gun. I just saw a shudder. That was my first experience of the Tuesday Cafe. I'm hoping that in terms of grim visuals, it doesn't get worse than that. Wednesday morning, I test in Brixton, pick up the new glasses on Friday, budget frame. So every chance I might just be using those at home. I can still use the glasses I'm currently wearing. I just have them as my runaround glasses, I think, when I'm working in the cafe. What else today I've got to, after I upload this i'll go out for my run then i've got to speak to uh, the space daddy about my script today that has finally been signed off so i've got to work out the next steps i've been reading up about pre-production stuff that needs to be done the way the each scene has to be broken down color coded how the props need to be listed how they need to be color coded how i need to color code the exterior and interior shots and the day and night shots and So there's a lot to do and I just want to make sure that I know what I should be focused on over the next few weeks until the Space Daddy re-emerges from his COVID hibernation, I suppose. He is a bit concerned, so he's being very prudent and he's just staying indoors a lot, so not actually seeing anyone. So it's going to be a while. That's what I mean, how this thing has just slowed down. My work and the work probably of uh, quite a few creators. I also started rehearsing my new stand-up set uh, last week. Didn't do too much on it after Tuesday. Did a bit on Saturday. Did some last night. Not ideal, really, because I should have been switching off and I was a bit tired. And I realised if... uh, Well, I I knew it was going to be the case because that's how my mind works that if I don't do this every day then I start to forget bits of uh, of the set I've index carded everything I've got 21 cards for a five minute set probably maybe need to lose a couple of those cards and I'm trying to take on board the good advice I was given years ago which is just remember the thought rather than remember the line specifically being a writer you can have a tendency if you're doing stand-up to try and remember every single word that you've written so I'm just trying to make sure that uh, I can take that advice with me on stage I'm hoping that the medication also means that uh, I've conquered the stage fright albeit by cheating so I can't get back to the stand-up rehearsing until tomorrow but uh, you know I've been looking online to find out what nights are out there there's not that many actually not many new nights it hasn't changed that much from when I was last on there so that's interesting I don't know if that's the pandemic or just that there's not many new nights on I I, I don't know I'm 
excited in terms of trying out new material. I'm, I suppose I'm less excited about going to the actual nights themselves. I, I think that was just something that I struggled with generally. I think, again, I'm, I'm doing the stand-up for the same reasons I was doing it years ago, just feeling stale, maybe trying to, I don't know, seek some validation. Uh, I don't know. But it can feel a, quite a lonely place, particularly when you've had a bad night. But when you've had a good night, it can be, it can feel good. And I just want to try. I want to try again. I want to see if all these years of putting shows together you know, podcasts, live radio, live events, spoken word events, whether that's done anything that might be of use when I return to the stand-up. It's quite busy, the road today. Normally tends to... I'm just hearing a lot of trucks. I don't know if you are. That's unusual for a Monday. Right, uh, books. What have I read this week? I finished uh, Miracle on Cherry Hill. In fact, I finished that within the day. Miracle on Cherry Hill by Sun Mi Hwang, South Korean writer. Really enjoyed this. I suspect it's one of those books that, well, I think it has been a bestseller. It, uh, I think it was published in 2019, so maybe you're familiar with it. I I'd normally tend to avoid these books. It's just a novella. Uh, good book. Enjoyed it. This. Uh, let me read you the blurb. This is a story that... Let me start again. So tired. I'll swallow. This is the story of a man named Kang Dae Su. His whole life is a miracle, rising from poverty to running a successful construction company. In his twilight years, Kang is diagnosed with a brain tumour. He returns to his childhood home of Cherry Hill. He acquires a crumbling old house in which to retreat from the world, yet the residents of the town have other plans. They seem hell-bent on intruding on Kang's private property. But who does the house and Cherry Hill really belong to? Is it owned by the construction company who is trying to rejuvenate the neighbourhood or does it belong to the residents who have used the land to play, to think, to walk, to love and explore for generations? And how is the bitter and despondent Kang's childhood tied to his uh, tied to this magical place. Miracle on Cherry Hill is a redemptive story of a damaged man regaining his trust in humanity. It explores the fragility of nature and human lives and is a much-loved classic in South Korea. Includes beautiful illustrations inside. Not that many, to be honest, and I think it just means on the inside covers there's no illustrations within the books themselves. If there was, I, I wouldn't have gone near the book. It's not something that I particularly like in novels. I know that uh, the old Sherlock Holmes books originally had uh, drawings from Sidney Paget, I think. I think that's how you say it. And that's where uh, the classic imagery for Holmes came from with the deerstalker's hat. I enjoyed this book. Can a book attain classic status if it's only two years old? I, I, I don't know, but it was uh, it was an enjoyable book. There was a lot to like about it. I liked the fact that he had all this land and he was just getting to know it again. There's a, a point where he he's so irked by all the people using this land that he gets a fence, a new fence erected and then realises the downside of that, the impact of that is, for example, no one's coming to to collect the eggs from one of the hens. Uh, the cats are stealing the eggs. There's a vegetable patch that is be that has been tended to by this old lady who has dementia, who is linked to his past, unbeknown to him, and suddenly the vegetable patch isn't being tended to. And it's it's a really nice book. I think if 
okay, I haven't acted since my Kid Cop days. That show finished in 92. And if you're if you're unfamiliar with this show, Kid Cop, uh, I'll say again, was the seminal US cop show that uh, co-starred myself and originally Victoria Principal before she was replaced in 86 by page three girl Sam Fox owing to Principal's contract standoff with producers. The show finally ended in 1992 and I haven't acted since then. Of course, the show existed entirely in my own imagination, but if that old kid cop star is still out there somewhere. I think now approaching veteran actor days or, or, or the age where maybe, you know, you're not relying on your looks and you can be a character actor. I, I probably would still be a little too young for this role, but well, not to mention the wrong ethnicity, but let's say none of those things were obstacles. This would be the kind of role playing the guy, the lead character in this book. It's the kind of role I'd be happy to bow out with you know it's 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 the kind of role that henry fonda played in what's the name on on golden pond that's it on golden pond early 80s film his last film for which he won the oscar maybe in 20 years time if they make a film of this maybe i'll be up for that i think it would be a really strong slightly sentimental role and and a good one to round off the cv with okay what am i reading next Something slightly lighter. I won't say the full name and you'll understand why because uh, owing to having read Bram Stoker's book, that book at the age of eight and been terrified ever since by vampires, I do not say the name. I'm reading Sherlock Holmes and the Count. Give you the blurb for it. In this thrilling supernatural mystery, Sherlock Holmes and the Count must join forces to banish a terrible enemy. Sherlock Holmes is dead. His body lies in a solitary grave on the Sussex Downs, England, but Dr. Watson survives and is now given permission to release tales in Sherlock's classified dossier. These cases that are, dear listener, unbelievable for their subject matter is the most outre and grotesque nature. I didn't know that uh, French-accented word was coming up. If I had, I probably would have checked with Mickey Just to uh, just to check that my French pronunciation was correct there. Let's just give him a moment to pull over. Remember, he is not required by law to wear a seatbelt as a cab driver, but uh, he probably just wants to pull over for a moment and savor savor this latest mention. Right, two seconds should do that. Let's uh, let's crack on with the show so how, how much did i give you i haven't even finished the blurb for this i've been thrown by that french accented word okay so let me just finish off the blurb for, for the book in this thrilling first installment of the classified dossier a transylvanian nobleman called count blah 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 arrives at baker street seeking the help of sherlock holmes for his beloved wife mina has been kidnapped but the count is a client like no other and holmes and watson must confront despite the wild unbelievable notion the existence of vampires and before long holmes watson and their new vampire allies must work together to banish a powerful enemy growing in the shadows at the moment slightly disappointed by it if i'm honest there have been a quite a few books involving Holmes and the count the cleverest one i can't remember what it was called but it involved the premise that uh, bram stoker's novel was actually a distortion of the truth and it filled in 
the blanks within that novel and it really worked it was a very clever take on the count this has that slightly although it does say the count is a vampire whereas the book that i've just mentioned the count wasn't a vampire he was someone who whose reputation was trashed and the superstitions surrounding him, this mysterious character, the, the, this vampire legend was allowed to grow, but he wasn't actually a vampire, which I thought was really clever. But I mean, still, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this book. I'm just, I'd rather Holmes and the Count weren't allies. I, that, that bit, I, I don't particularly like. Went out for a coffee yesterday with, with uh, a friend who lives locally. Lovely guy, earns roughly £150,000 a year more than me. That gap, I think if I can close it to £120,000, I'll have done well. And it just, it, it does make it slightly awkward. I think any friendship needs that balance. And this is like having a a friend that's a footballer. It's that kind of wage disparity. And I didn't know that he was bringing the car. So after we had coffee and went around looking some uh, in some charity shops, he said he could drop me off. And I thought, oh, no, he hasn't been to the flat. And, you know, I was acting like a girlfriend who doesn't want the boyfriend to know that she lives in a rough part of town and asks to be dropped off somewhere else. I was very uh, conscious of that. Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available episode 370 down to five tops now I had to take two off there just as I inserted the uh, the sting starting to sweat a bit now Howard Hughes shout out to Gordon thank you for your support Gordon hope uh, your weekend was a good one hope the week ahead is a good one for you do follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. This is all of you, not just Gordon, uh, at 1607 West Egg. Why did I say 1607? I always say 1607 West Egg. Where's the consistency gone? Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. Find all the work at DanielRuizTyson.com. There's the Patreon page that keeps this show alive. Patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Loads of bonus content on there. Appreciate those of you who continue to support the podcast. That is the way that this show keeps coming back every Monday. You can also support the work via the PayPal and Ko-Fi.com links at DanielRuizTizen.com. I'm still trying to work out two things. Trying to work out the pronunciation of Ko-Fi.com. Is it Ko-Fi or coffee? I think it's coffee. Should have checked that. Could still check that, but I'm not going to check that. And I'm also trying to work out if I can change the currency on there to sterling. You should be able to, but I've been having problems with it. And there... Their support team have told me to try opening another account to see if it's the same issue. I just don't really want to open another account, but I'm probably going to have to do that just to try and um, allow them to or give them a chance to establish what might be going on with my uh, accounts. So anyway, there are those donation links on my website. I've given you my hygiene fails of the week. I don't know why that note is there. Uh, a brief dream just last night. Not much in the way of dreaming this week. Uh, last night, just uh, well overnight, a dream that had me back in college in a maths class with around 80 pupils. It was absolutely rammed in there and I was thinking, what am I doing here? I'm rubbish with numbers. How many more times am I going to try and pass my maths GCSE? And it was to complicate matters an ex-girlfriend 
among the 80 pupils and uh, you start thinking, oh, am I? You wake up, you think, am I over her? Did I ever get over her? Why am I dreaming about maths and this particular girl being part of that class? Your mind can play play you some strange dreams. Maybe it's not something I need to analyse. It's just a dream. Move on. Let me give you my nectar points. Seven points picked up on eBay. Uh, bought some post-it notes, eight different colours for my book idea, non-fiction book, and I just thought it would help with planning it out. Weren't cheap, but actually, I think I mentioned earlier that I was distracted towards the end of last week, and it was actually down to the post-it notes because it was really hard to find what I needed, and it was hard to find a good deal. These post-it notes are brighter than I would have liked. There were some nice pastel-coloured ones, but they only had three colours, and I needed more colours, so I've had to go for the brighter ones. Thankfully not neon. I'm going to have to pause this. I've got a frog building in my throat. Back in a moment. I'm back now. Okay, let me give you my uh, nectar points for the week. And I think the seven for the ne- uh, for the post-it notes will have been factored into this. So I'd gone in there with a points balance of one, four, three. I think they were factored in. The post-it notes were delivered a day later. I had to get them delivered to the local post office. Otherwise, I would have had to pay a three-pound charge. So what I actually did on Friday after my 6K run, I came in. I actually had my... I'm not one that's accustomed to picking things up, so I had my passport with me. I do need to get my new passport because this one has expired and it's starting to cause me some real problems. But uh, I went to, I had it in my pocket, pocket of my shorts on my run in case I got the email telling me the parcel was uh, ready to collect. I got indoors, the the message hadn't come uh, because the idea was that I would turn my phone on, look at how much I'd run and if as I was nearing the end of my 6K, if I'd got a message, a notification telling me the parcel was ready to collect, then I'd just turn around, continue my run, and I would have gone to the post office, and I probably would have been closer to 7K then. As it was, I had to go home. No big deal, just across the road. Went home, and as soon as I got home, the notification came through. So I did my warm down, I had a coffee, and uh, then I got into my running gear again, and I ran to the post office four minutes, burned a few more calories off, and then ran back again. Got in the wrong queue. I didn't realize that it had to be picked up in the post office within cost cutters, and I was in the cost cutters queue. The only masked individual in that uh, queue Anyway, I got the post-it notes. Now I just need to make sure I do something with them. And uh, the, yeah, got seven points as a result of buying the post-it notes. So trip to Sainsbury's Friday the 21st. Had to buy some sweetener tablets, £5.60 for 500 They do last me a lot longer now because I don't always have sweetener with my coffee now. Certainly not indoors I'll have my first three decaf coffees of the day, no sweeteners. The fourth one is a treat, has a sweetener. Then I'm back to no sweetener in the cafe. The good thing now in the cafe, uh, for example, the place I went to with my friend yesterday, I didn't need to stick a sweetener in the latte there. But I think maybe I'm struggling now with caffeine. Because my body's so used to decaf, I do think that the uh, caffeine, when I'm in the cafe, can make me, again, a bit... uh, bit too hyper something i've got to look at something my uh, doctor is aware of i think my doctor's aware of everything those notes imagine if i lived forever they'd need to start up uh, an entire new medical practice just to deal with my notes i'd have my own 
receptionist assigned to deal with all my uh, ongoing medical issues. Some real, some, of course, imagine. So I bought the sweeteners, uh, bought two single oranges for 70p. They're very small, still in Sainsbury's. I don't know what's going on. The best oranges, if you want a good orange, 28p. Asda had one this morning, got nothing to gain. Asda aren't sponsoring this show, but they've got some absolutely brilliant oranges and cheaper than anywhere else, cheaper than Tesco, cheaper than Sainsbury's. Obviously, I don't know if they're cheaper than Waitrose. I would assume so, but I'm not a Waitrose guy. Those days belong to the noughties. Bought some more uh, sugar-free lozenges, bought some blueberries, bananas. I think I might have got four for 36p, which I was quite pleased with overall. Everything came to £8.33. My previous points balance was 143, earned eight points. New points balance of 151, worth 75p. I went through my wallet this morning, which is uh, busted. I, it's a, not an easy thing to buy a wallet, uh, in my experience. I've got a backup one here on my desk, but I've had it for a few years and it was never able to establish itself as my first choice. It's just too long, but I do have a real problem with my wallet now. It's just pretty much broken up inside but uh, it gave me everything I needed and yeah but uh, I've got nowhere to go with that let's just uh, move on what else okay so I've got oh that's what I was going to say yeah this morning looking through the wallet I got rid of uh, some old nectar points coupons that I just hadn't used all from December so I really need to up my nectar points game Star Wars football been a very busy week Star Wars football Saturday I decided to build some new goals because the goals that I've had are just really wonky and I didn't cut them right one goal was shorter than the other so that had to be balanced on uh, DVDs uh, two lots of DVDs on each post under each post while the other one had to be balanced by one DVD under each post so now I've got uh, goals that are the same size I used an old uh, box from my iPad Air not easy to cut, had to dig out an old pen knife, felt very masculine doing it. So I've got some good goals now. What I did it actually to, to try and stamp out all the VAR issues that I'm, I've, I've got going on in Star Wars football, I used some uh, masking tape on the inside of the goal. And last week for When Shorts Were Short, I interviewed the creators, uh, the, the Subudio creator's son, Mark Adolf, and he told me, I couldn't remember this, he told me that briefly, because his dad had a deal with sellotape, that they had stick, uh, that one of the accessories in Subudio was sticky tape to stick in the back of goals, because of course the nets in Subudio goals were so taut that often you'd get arguments kicking off over whether someone had scored a goal or not. And of course, it's the same problem in Star Wars football. I've not got any nets on these new uh, goals but what I've done is I've stuck sticky tape in the back. Doesn't always work, but it did work on games over the weekend. So I think it's a real step forward. So I fire a shot and the ball sticks to the tape. I know, of course, that it's a goal because there've just been too many controversies and uh, ideally I'd be filming these games so I could just, uh, you know, have a replay check like a referee check to see if the ball crossed the line. Okay, League Week 12, really exciting now, just... uh, as the season comes to uh, a climax. It's been quite a negative season because, of course, uh, if you've followed Star Wars football for years, you'll know that this season it became eight aside rather than seven aside. Of course, it's being played on the same size pitch. 
lack of space and teams, I think the top scorers are Besbin with just 12 league goals in 12 games. So it's not been the most uh, attack-minded season. Death Star, though, who started off the season very defensively, which may possibly cost them the league, although no one expected them to come back as strongly, strongly as they have to challenge for the league. And uh, they've got an inferior goal difference. There is every chance this season that uh, the title will be won on goal difference for the first time. And Death Star got a minus goal difference of five on um, five fewer goals than uh, Besbin, their neighbours Besbin. Uh, Death Star beat Hoth 2-0 at home. Uh, Death Star were at home, that is. Hoth, again, still without a win. What a fall for Hoth after finishing second last year and winning the League Cup and Europa League. Also, League Week 12, Rebels next wing. The battle for sixth place at the moment. Rebels were two goals down at halftime. X-wing, comprehensive winners. They won uh, 2-1. I'm going to give you the table shortly. Meantime, league leaders Besbin met Tatooine. A win for Besbin would have meant that Tatooine could no longer retain their title. They're still trying to win it for the third consecutive time. It was a goalless draw. Tatooine not quite done yet. I'll give you league week 12, uh, the table. Each team has played 12 games. The, there are two games left. Uh, Besbin still top. They've led from the beginning. They're on 20 points. Goal difference plus six. Empire a second on 17 points. Goal difference plus two. Tatooine occupying the third Champions League spot, third and final Champions League spot. Of course, it's cut from four to three this year. Uh, they're on 17 points. Goal difference of plus two. Death Star up to fourth after one defeat in 12 games. They're on 17 points as well, but just a goal difference of plus one. They do face, of course, all the the final league games this season are derbies and Death Star will. I don't know if they host Besbin. I'd have to check, but uh, they'll need Besbin to slip up, I think, in the next game if they're really going to have a chance of winning the league, such as the uh, superior goal difference that Besbin have over them. Alderaan in fifth, 12 games, 17 points, goal difference plus one. They're... um, in fifth place because Death Star, even though they both have a goal difference of plus one, Death Star have scored one more goal than them. X-Wing in sixth place. They've just lost two games this season. Only Besbin have lost fewer. Besbin, of course, still unbeaten. X-Wing have 16 points from 12 games. Goal difference of plus one. You can't rule them out of the league. They're still going for the Champions League. Uh, spots as well. Rebels, meantime, they stay in seventh on 12 points, minus six goal difference. Hoth, they have finished bottom. Still no games won. They've lost six games now of their 12 goal difference of minus four and six points. And again, as you can see, Hoth have only conceded eight goals. They're the bottom side. They've conceded eight goals. And that goes to show how negative the league has been this season. FA Cup semi-finals, the derby, X-Wing versus Aldron, went to extra time, finished two goals apiece. That will be replaced. Uh, tomorrow night an absolutely thrilling game in the other FA Cup semi-final Besbin favourites for the double they were surprisingly thumped 3-0 by uh, 7th placed Rebels who reached their first final since Silver Age Season 2. A brace from Vader and a debut goal from uh, Gattuso. Well, the first goal, not his debut. So a surprise win for Rebels, but a very deserved win. Europa League I'll swallow 10.08 hours. Europa League. This was meant to be a short show. I haven't even got to the cafe yet. Uh, Europa League. How many times am I going to say Europa League? Get on with the show. Yavin 
four versus Acto. Yavin four were one up from the first leg and in a dull game they beat Acto by goal to nil to win two nil on aggregate. Meantime, Death Star one one. Uh, draw in Mos Eisley. Mos Eisley last season's finalists where they were beaten by Hoth 3-1 in the final. Mos Eisley took a deserved lead in the first half. They went into the break a goal up. Death Star came back to win by two goals to one. 2-1-B. Long-range effort being deflected. Slight deflection off General Madine gave Death Star their victory. One defeat in 13 games. Now they have reached the Europa League final. Absolutely stunning turnaround for Captain Spiders' team. Meantime, last night, the second leg, Champions League semi-final, an epic encounter. And again, X-Wing, so unfortunate at the hands of Tatooine. Another late defeat. This happened to them in the first Silver Age season to Aldron in the old league format where it was uh, playoffs. They lost in the semi-finals to a last-minute goal to Aldron, who went on to win the league. They, of course... Um, Tatooine won the league last season with a dramatic winner at X-Wing, 10 seconds from the end from X-Wing, Luke. And uh, X-Wing were 2-1 down from the first leg. They'd lost at home by, uh, by well, by that scoreline that I just gave you. So they needed to score two, uh, win by two clear goals or, or win. A 2-0 win basically would have put them in the final. They went into the break, a goal up, a brilliant goal from Chief Chirper, the Ewok, whose future remains um, something of a mystery. The, he is being linked with a move to Hoth and Rebels, neither of whom are likely to be in the Champions League next season. Rebels, of course, have the chance to get into Europe if they win the FA Cup. But um, he, he's really run into form towards the end of this season. Uh, Chirper, lovely player, moves between the lines, very skillful, doesn't score enough goals for a player of his talent. Anyway, Tatooine equalised after the break with a goal from Jedi Luke, his 14th of the season. Then a mistake by Major, deputising for the suspended silver droid in the Tatooine goal, let in Ray, the substitute. Uh, to put X-Wing 2-1 up, so we were heading to extra time, but then two and a half minutes from time, medical droid to substitute, punished a mistake by former Tatooine defender Boosh, who'd had an excellent game. In, indeed, she was woman of the match yesterday. So 2-2 draw meant that Tatooine are through to their third consecutive Champions League final, where they'll be expected to face Endor. Endor, Zepho play tonight, still goalless from the first uh, first leg. Tatooine now unbeaten in 20 Champions League games in Star Wars football, but they were very fortunate last night, and that was a cruel defeat for X-Wing, particularly at the manner of it. Boosh, after a brilliant performance, again, her future's unclear, but she's very popular, popular even with uh, X-Wing fans. Right, let's finally get to the cafe. Last Monday afternoon, shortly after the release of episode 369, there was a cafe debutant, at least to me. I'd never seen them before. Uh, this guy saw me using tissue to turn on the taps behind the wafting swing saloon doors. He was a Latin American guy, stunning girlfriend. He was good looking too, obviously. Beautiful people always gravitate towards one another, don't they? I think they see each other and they think, okay, not only are we beautiful, this means that if we have kids, the kids are going to be beautiful. No one wants to dilute the bloodline, do they? They're not going to date an unattractive other half. It would put too much pressure on the relationship, too much pressure on the other half. They can't say to them, oh no, you are beautiful because the uglier half of the relationship isn't going to buy it. So if the beautiful half then says, oh, but I love your personality, the ugly half then thinks, well, they're essentially saying that I'm ugly. 
this young couple were getting slowly inebriated on mojitos. The guy had a curious mid-90s Celtic design tattoo. And I say curious because the the t- t- this designer tattoos are a generation older than him. You don't see young people with those Celtic designs, at least not British people. That's a very mid-90s design. It's the first Spiker tattoos just before the influence of David Beckham and the early noughties pushed interest in ink through the roof. The battle to stay ink-free, that, that's been lost. There's no point wasting time with that. That doesn't concern me anymore. What I would say is, if you are contemplating a tattoo, think about it carefully. The key is to get something that isn't going to date, that can't be time-stamped. Sleeves, for instance, all the rage several years ago, they've now dipped in popularity to the extent that you see someone with a sleeve, particularly young people who, who've got more of their life to, to lead, and they look out of step slightly. I think the key with ink is if you're going to join 99% of the population, if you're going to succumb to the temptation to get inked up, is you should go for something subtle, something that isn't fashionable at the time, something that is never going to be unfashionable. You're not going to go wrong with that. No one is ever going to be able to timestamp that design. I think that's the key. I say that in all seriousness. Don't get something that's fashionable. Have a think about, have a long-term think, a long-term view. Take a long-term view with that tattoo. Don't go for what's in fashion. Right, sermon over. After the cafe on Monday evening, I ran into an old cafe regular in uh, the Nine Elms Monster, I was masked up. He wasn't. I saw him and I thought, well, I've got my mask. I don't need to say hello. I just get my yogurt and, and walk off. But he recognized me. And this happened twice last week where I was recognized with the mask on. And it's the bouffant. Without a doubt, it's the bouffant. And I wonder if he twigged that I'd try to avoid him. He, he's a nice guy anyway, but uh, he was there with his wife and kids. Maybe his wife later said, you know, he was going to try and get away without giving you the hello. Maybe she was stirring it a bit. I don't know. We shook hands three times. I tried to go for the fist bump, but he approached me open-palmed. It was like a paper-scissors-stone game. I said to him, I haven't seen you in the cafe for some time. He told me that he hasn't been there for two years after falling out with them over a a caterpillar in his uh, sandwich, a a live caterpillar in his sandwich. He says he took it up with them. They weren't really concerned. Uh, They told him he didn't have to pay for it, but he just wasn't happy with their reply. We had uh, three handshakes then again, as I say, three handshakes in total. Nice seeing him. And I was aware that his wife wanted to move on. Fair enough, you know, picked up the kids, long day. They want to get home. Um, I think her husband likes to chat a bit, but it was nice seeing him. And again, it's that any contact really with people these days after this nightmare couple of years, I certainly welcome it. I just made sure that I didn't touch my eyes, my face, nothing. Uh, Just uh, quietly gelled over by the flapjacks uh, as soon as I saw uh, the guy and his uh, wife and kids move on. I had a nightmare hard swallow there, 10, 16 hours. I had a nightmare getting back home on Monday night. There was an elderly woman who absolutely flipped on the bus after the driver failed to stop. I kid you not, it was so bad that the, what, what she did that the police were called in. Just another bus journey, basically, in South London, but uh, I didn't expect to see an old person behind it. She started smashing up the windows with her walking stick, screaming at the bus driver to stop. He had cocked up, but I could see why he couldn't stop to let her off afterwards until he got to the next stop because he had traffic behind him. He would have needed to pull in somewhere and the old lady would have been at risk, predominantly from cyclists. 
So he had uh, the bus driver had too much to lose. A guy on the upper deck went down to calm her down. I think he enjoyed the limelight a little too much. It all got very melodramatic, which was one reason for me not getting involved. Also, I think COVID... COVID has changed so many things. I used to, as maybe you did, uh, I used to help old ladies onto and off buses with their shopping trolleys. I like doing it. I don't now. And and there was that time in the park last year on a run. You may remember I saw a toddler fall. The mum was on the phone some 20 metres away. The instincts screamed, help the toddler. But I was running. I was sweating. We were in the spring 2021 lockdown. You can't do it. As it was, if you remember, there was a couple behind me and the, and the girl's maternal instincts kicked in and she helped the toddler up. Fair play to her. But again, also dangerous at the time. Dangerous to her, dangerous to the kid, dangerous to everyone. Going back to um, last, uh, another hard swallow as I build up to the climax of this anecdote. Going back to the bus incident, I did think it was an overreaction from the old woman. Unfortunately, the next bus stop was a fair old distance away, but she could have been home if She'd swallowed the situation. Instead, everyone was ordered off the bus as the police came. Worse still, the driver wasn't given out bus transfer tickets, so I had to walk the rest of the way home with a couple of bags of shopping. Normally, I would have felt some sympathy for the old woman, but not the way she behaved. What is happening when 80-somethings lose their temper like that, swearing, smashing up windows with their stick, small kids seeing that, hearing it on the lower deck? for a start. The driver was unmasked, no social distancing from him as he told me on the stairs why he couldn't issue me a bus transfer ticket. So yeah, ended up having to walk back on uh, Monday night with my shopping. Back to the cafe. It was a quiet week in the cafe or maybe I've been so focused on my work in there or, I don't know, distracted trying to find a good post-it note deal that I'd not had my customary uh, struggle there. Customary eye out for the cafe minutiae. I couldn't sleep at all on Friday night, so on Saturday morning I was up at 06.45 hours. I didn't reach the cafe until 08.12 hours. Unfortunately, that meant I missed out on my table. Some new guy, maybe a, a tourist from the nearby hotel, wearing sockless shoes in January. Hardcore. How about that? He'd taken not mixed table. He had a book and ordered a full English, so he wasn't going anywhere soon. And not Mick arrived around 08.35 hours. He'd also missed out on his table. We were like a pair of guys who'd done battle for some girl we both fancied only to find someone else had come in and spirited her away. The veteran waitress was back. It was good to see her. That pleased me. She was back in cleaning. We didn't get a chance to exchange hellos. Maybe her relationship with the cafe these days is limited to when restrictions are lifted. Good to see her in there. Not uh, Mick. I've already told you about him. The head man. That was it. The head man and his boyfriend were in, or partner, husband. No arguments on Saturday between them for once, which was good to see. I think that's because the raconteur had some appointment that morning or work on rare for him, and that might have placated the head man who was wearing a huge hat, which looked like a ruster hat on him because his skull is so uh, big. Raconteur had come into the cafe in very uh, loud fashion that morning. The cafe was still very quiet, and the head man had immediately admonished his other half and told him to uh, turn the uh, audio down. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Have a good week. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and this start of the week, I have been available. 